Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. Take two. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Behind the scenes, this is take number two. Yeah. It's going to be even better. And we never do that. We never. This is my first take two. Welcome to After the Message, folks. If you're stumbling along this podcast, you are on the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. That's the air conditioner in the background. Crazy. (laughs) Uh, After the Message is simply a a conversation from the previous Sunday sermon, and uh, we hope that it encourages you to continue the conversation in your community. Today, I am joined by none other than my friend, my brother, my colleague, Vinny Costa. Vinny, how are you? I'm so good. You forgot to mention I am your Smashburger partner. Smashburger partner, yeah. Every time we go there, it's only us. That's right. It looks like we own the place. We kind of do. <laughs> You're right. Smashburger, shout out Amazing Burgers. Yep. I don't know if they want us to shout them out, but we just did. Yep. So Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, uh, you know, people that are connected to Celebration Church Orlando might recognize you, might know know you a little bit but maybe for those who are on the outside looking in what do you do here at the church hey guys uh everybody listening to the after the message um i'm uh, vinicius 33 years old i i oversee worship reproduction here at celebration church um and i think what we try to do every single sunday is to facilitate the relationship between the church and God in the service environment. Mm. Well That's said. It. That's as simple as that. <laughs> what uh for for a kind of a personal question here, Vinny, what what was the first instrument that that you picked up that you learned? When I was like five years old, my mom uh, enrolled me to a piano classes, but I couldn't take it. I was just a kid. I just wanted to play my super nintendo or something yeah so also i was not worthy to play the piano (laughs) because it's such a beautiful (laughs) instrument and uh, i was not ready for it yeah so when i was on fifth grade i don't know what what is that for you guys in your school system yeah my math professor uh was trying to teach us a number song and he he she brought up uh, an acoustic, um, and she was playing the song in the acoustic, and I was like, okay, I need to learn this. Yeah. So, so then I took a couple of years of classical acoustic. Uh, so it was it was nice, but but my favorite instrument is piano for sure. Did you? If I had one at home, my wife would freak out at me. What if you had a piano at home? Mm-hmm. Why? Because you'd be playing it all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. My father, my father-in-law, my and my mo- my mother-in-law, they have a piano there. So every time I go to their house, I stay hours and hours and really? hours and hours and hours. And I don't I don't realize until someone tells me, "Hey, it's been five hours. You're playing this freaking thing," <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, I apologize." <laughs> Come visit your family. <laughs> <laughs> That's why actually they send us to America <laughs> <laughs> to get you out of the piano exactly. room. <laughs> There goes Vinny playing the piano again. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, you ready to talk about suffering? 
No. Of course. What type of question? <laughs> uh, if you uh, if you kind of been following along with us here at Celebration Church Orlando, we've been in a series called Deconstructed and uh, just talking about what happens when, when our faith and when doubts intersect with our faith and how we handle it and how we walk through it. And uh, the idea was kind of sparked from Pastor Keith uh, reading the book After Doubt by uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda. And, and and also where we are as a culture, too. It, it, it seems like everybody is, or not everyone, but th- there's, a, there's a large portion of our community who is second-guessing things, and, oh, yeah. and rightfully so. Uh, um, but uh, that book really kind of sparked something within Pastor Keith, and we actually got to uh, talk to uh, Dr. Svoboda last week on, on the podcast on uh, after the message. So if you missed that, go back. And Amazing, check. by the way. Yeah, he he was awesome. He he was so gracious, and um, and if you haven't read the book, read the book um, After Doubt by by Dr. Svoboda. It's great. But uh, what, Vinny, what's what's this series been for you? I know you've been. You've been in the church world a long time, right? You've been serving in ministry for uh, over a decade, if I'm not mistaken. And um, ha- have you have you done anything like this? Experienced any? Ha- have you uh, been a part of a church setting where these types of topics are are spoken about? Um, and then, uniquely for Celebration Orlando, w- what has this series been for you? Um, I think this is a personal exercise I try to do every year. It's funny, Nate. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I was um, a young adult full of um, beliefs, and I used to fight for them so much. Mm. I was so sure about everything. And uh, as I age, <laughs> I I can definitely see I'm not that guy anymore. Actually, I second-guess everything I believe pretty often. Um, and I think this is a very healthy exercise when you do that through the correct lenses. Mm. When I say I second-guess everything, I'm not saying I'm putting God into a weird place of I need to do some type of effort to believe in Him again. No, what I'm saying is I ask myself why I do the things I do every day. Mm. Why I, what's the root of my beliefs? And I think the right way of doing that is always doing that through the lenses of the Bible and in the presence of God. So constantly I ask myself questions that will put me to, in, in a place of, ooh, maybe I'm just doing this out of habit and not because I truly believe it. Um, it's funny, couple, when was it? Two days ago, I was having a conversation with my wife about the prodigal, prodigal son narrative. And then I said something to her and she said, are you insane? What are you talking about? And then I said, well, I'm talking about, and then I unpacked for her and she was like, I don't believe that. No. And, really? then, and then I was like, that's funny. We've been married for 10 years. And I think, uh, I think we, we used to disagree in only one thing that it's, it will be a subject for a different after the message. Mm-hmm. And now I just found a second one. Mm. And I think this is just because as we grow, as we age, and as we 
ask ourselves important questions. I think God, and of course, as we do that with God on our side, I think God will lead us to understand things that we couldn't in the past. Mm. God will bring new revelations to a couple of things. And of course, when I think about, oh, I never thought about this before, it's never a, only a rational exercise. It starts being a rational exercise, and then, of course, I need to bring that to the light. I need to bring that and and confront that with Scripture. Mm. Um, and just because I'm very, what's the word here? Very meticulous or yeah. very... Methodical? I'm very serious about mm. uh, my beliefs. Mm -hmm. When I confront that ideas or new truths with the Bible, it's always a very interesting, long uh, process. I need to have a couple of verses that will support this. I need to analyze context. It's it's a whole. It's a, it's a it's a it's crazy. Yeah. But I think what I'm trying to say here is. What we're doing in this series, pretty much, if I could uh, encapsulate, I think what we're saying is it's fine to have questions. Mm. It's fine to second guess a couple of things. And I think this is a great exercise for all of us, as long as we always bring that back to Jesus, as long as we always uh, exercise uh, this deconstructed thing with God on our side. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the most encouraging things from the conversation with AJ was, and from the book, reading the book was, you know, he says the surest way that the surest sign to know that we have faith is that we doubt it. Right. Oh, for sure. And how, how gracious and how merciful God is and how, and how long suffering he is with us. And he doesn't, he doesn't expect us to have it figured out overnight. Yeah. Um, which for me, that's one aspect of God that is hard for me to believe, right? Yep. Uh, it's hard for me to, to to view God in that manner because if I were God and think thank God that I'm not God, <laughs> I would be like, why why don't you get why don't you see this? I, I've laid it out for you, right? Yep. And so, um, so I'm very thankful, obviously, for God's mercy. And I, and and you know, it's funny. And again, I was talking about this with my wife yesterday. I think I think even when we read the Gospels and we see Jesus telling uh, their disciples, his disciples, like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You guys don't know what you're asking. Mm -hmm. I think they were so sure that that was the right comment, that was the right thing to say. And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> you don't know what you're saying. And this is fine. Jesus is fine with this process. Mm -hmm. That weird conversation that Jesus had with Peter uh, on a beach. Uh, do you love me? Yes, mm -hmm. I do. Do you love me? Yes, I do. And then on the third time, and Peter says, "You know it. You're gonna ask me again. You know it." And then the Bible says that um, that God, God, Jesus said something to Peter to pretty much um, bring more clarity on how Peter would die. Mm. And I think this is amazing because Peter. Deny. Peter said, I'm going with you to the cross if it's necessary. He was so sure about it. It was a strong belief of him. 
hey, you know what? I am with you. Mm -hmm. And then he denied Jesus three times. And then in this conversation at the beach, Jesus just says, well, you know what? One day you will die for my name, and that will be a great proof that you really love me. Mm -hmm. So I really like the, those, those stages of I'm so sure, and then he denies. I'm not so sure. And then Jesus just reconstruct him to a place that he died, and we know the history he died, loving Jesus so much. So when we think about this, it's, it's just a great process of, as, again, as long as you do that with Jesus, it's a, it's a growth uh, path for sure. Um, Serena, she's, a, she's in a very weird season that it's hard for, for, for she to differentiate I than you. This is your daughter. My daughter, yeah. yeah. So yes, last night. How old is she? She's three years old. Okay. So last time she told me, tomorrow, I'll go to the doctor, she told me. And then I replied to her saying, yes, you're, you go to the doctor. And then she, she did something like, no, I'll go to the doctor. I said, yes, you, you go to the doctor. And she said, no, I go. Because mm. she doesn't know the difference mm. of I and you. Yeah. But she was so sure she was right. Um, and I was just trying to explain to her, hey, I understand your pet. And she got a little bit upset at some, <laughs> at some point. And I understand that because I think we've all been there. Mm. That we're so like, I know, I know this. I know what I'm talking about. And for a couple of things, I think that this is totally fine. But there is, I think there's always something greater that God wants to bring in and, and uh, reveal and um, so being in that position of with God, I know I can ask the hardest questions ever. I think it's amazing. Mm. You know, you mentioned Peter and the fact that he, he did end up dying and, and suffering for Jesus. Um, it is suffering an inevitable part of the journey or is it a necessary part of the journey? Or is it both? In other words, must we suffer? Or is it just the fact that it's going to happen? Does that make sense? I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's both. I think we will suffer for sure. Um, the Bible says it. Uh, it's inevitable. But at the same time, when we understand that, we can also look th this through the lenses of, if it's inevitable, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah and enjoying means i'm going to learn from it i'm going to to understand whatever i need to understand in that season i think Lindsay did a great job with with her message entitled fruits of winter mm -hmm. um, available on our podcast by saying that in order for us to have a great spring we need to go through the through the the winner. The winner. Mm -hmm. So it's inevitable. You know, we, we're going to face challenges. We're going to face bad news. We're, we're going to, I think, at least once or twice, being very optimistic, we're going to see ourselves in a, in a place that apparently there's no open doors, there's no exits, no clear next steps. Mm -hmm. But I think those moments... God teaches endurance. God teaches faith. 
faithfulness. God teaches so many lessons. So it's almost like it's necessary going through moments like this mm. for us to grow. Yeah. Um, kind of want to go back uh, to the beginning here um, and, and talk about, uh, you know, in the garden there was the, the temptation, right, uh, from Satan. And then I also, I kind of look at those two narratives, the garden and Job, almost like they're, they're kind of similar in nature uh, as far as, you know, Satan's role in them. Um, because he ends up going to God and, and in that narrative saying like, look, uh, look at Job. Like, what do you think would happen if I, (laughs) you know, if I did these things to him, first of all, what information do we have about the Satan or Satan as we refer to him? Cause I don't feel like there's a lot in the, I feel like he's just there, you know, like we open the story and he's there, like, from your perspective and your understanding, where did he come from? How how should we view him? Let's just talk about Satan for a little bit, which you're probably not going to hear a lot of on the podcast. <laughs> well, we have, uh, well, if we talk about the beginning of everything, we have at least two, two passages that will talk about it. Uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah. Um, what we know for sure, he was an angel. He was there with God in the beginning of everything. Um, he was a, a special angel, for lack of a better word. He mm. was responsible for other angels, and he was uh, anointed. That's what, what the Bible says. Mm. And um, at some point, he something grew in, in his being, and... Uh, the Bible said that he thought with himself, I want to be like God. And I think this is very interesting that the Bible mentioned that I want to be like God because, because this is not common. When, when we're comparing our, ourselves with someone else, we always think like, I want to be bigger than you. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, you really like to play golf and let's say you consider Tiger Woods the best player. If you want to play very, very well and you want a career, you will never think like, I want to play like Tiger Woods. I think you would, you would think like, I want to be a better player than, than, than Tiger Woods. That's not what uh, Satan thought. He thought, I want to be like God mm. because he knows it's impossible to be bigger mm. than God. And then when he thought about that, the Bible says uh, he started a re- rebellion, rebellion, rebellion in heaven. And then one third, him and one third, uh, part of the angels was sent uh, to to the earth. And then there's a bunch of um, theol- theologies around this. Um, on the first verse and second verse of the Bible, um, what what could happen right there in the middle of the two verses, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then second verse, but the earth was tohu uh, vavuhu, the original, which is chaotic, pretty much. Mm. So what happened? Why God created an earth chaotic? Um, so a couple of scholars will believe that in the middle of verse one and verse verse two is when Satan was um, 
kick out of heaven. Mm. Now he's here on earth. And, uh, and I think something very important to understand about Satan is he attacks me, but I am, I'm never his goal. I think that's, that's our, our that's the point. Mm. We are never the, the, when he attacks me, he's not trying to, I think what I'm trying to say here is he's always trying to get God's attention. Mm. He's always trying to get like God uh, and not, I am not the ending right. goal for Satan. It's right. always God. He's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to get back at God is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's trying to destroy me but to affect God. To affect God. Exactly. Because, I believe that. because he knows how much we mean to God. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I believe that. So I think I think that's exactly what happened in Genesis and in Job, pretty much what you were saying. Like, hey, try this. Mm-hmm. Try it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it will be fine. Yeah. It's not only about the couple in the garden. It's about destroying God's plan and his perspective on yeah. this. Same with Job. It's not only about destroying Job's life. It's about and 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 that's why it's so interesting that conversation God had with Satan. Um, very interesting as well that God gave us a great testimony about Job, right? Mm. It's one thing when you say good things about you. It's one thing when, when someone yeah. says good things about you. But when God <laughs> tells the Satan good things about you, you're good, man. <laughs> that's you're amazing. good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But every time I read the Bible... and and I get that question a lot. Um, what's the most difficult book in the Bible to read? And everybody thinks it's Revelation or Ezekiel or Leviticus. I think it's the most three. Mm-hmm. But it's not for me. For me, Job is the, is the hardest one. Mm. Because it deals with suffering and it never presents us a solution for it. Yeah. The Bible never, I think when we think about, we try to create solutions for it, an explanation. Um, that sometimes I think it, could, it can be true, but not always. Um, I think I, I can give you an example of what I'm saying. Sometimes we're just going through a very difficult season in our life. And sometimes we think like, oh, this is because God is trying to teach you a lesson. I don't believe that. Um, Never. No, no, no. I think sometimes it is. Okay. But I don't think we can use that excuse every, every time. Every time. Because forgive me if I'm being very heretic here, if we need to edit this, this <laughs> podcast later. But if God is trying to, to teach me a lesson every time I'm, I'm going through a difficult season, God is not a very good teacher. Mm. His methods are a little bit weird to me. And I know because when I, when I, sometimes Serena does a couple of things that I purposely let her go through whatever she's doing to learn a lesson. But sometimes I just learn, a, just teach a lesson out of my love. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, so just to, to say it again, to make it clear for everybody listening. Sometimes I think we suffer and sometimes I believe God wants to teach us something. And 100% of times, I believe we can learn something out of our, right, out of that season. 
but the catalyst for that is not always exactly. hey i need to teach Vinny this exactly lesson. got it i need to i need him to learn this so let's yeah i don't i don't believe that yeah at all and i think sometimes it's it's easy for us and when when i say us i i mean the church it's easy for us to make that almost like an excuse because it's impossible to find in bible an answer for suffering yeah what what that was my next question to you man is like what's our what's our obsession with that like we always we always feel like we have to have a resolve but we always feel like and i know you know the church is just as guilty of it as any I mean, any ad or commercial out there is usually trying to, any invention is trying to solve a problem. Any innovation is trying to make the invention better, right? So what is it inside of us that makes us want that so bad? I think it's just part of our culture, but almost blaming the, blaming the philosophers back in the day when they, at some point, start thinking that having having an explanation or having a, the truth, it's a concept or is a piece of information. When the Bible goes on the opposite way, saying that the truth and the solution and the answer is not a concept, it's a person. Mm. So I think... I think that's that's the the gap there. Mm. Every time we go through seasons of I don't know what's the next step, seasons of suffering, we tr- we think with our philosophical mind trying to find an answer for it, and the Bible is presenting a person that's an answer for it, yeah. not a piece of information, yeah. not only an explanation, not. So I think that's the gap right there. Yeah. Um, Jesus is the answer for the suffering. Yeah. Jesus is the answer for hard seasons. Not only a book, not only a piece of it, not only an exponent, a, a rational explanation for it. Yeah. And I, I've tried to ask this question to a few different people before, and perhaps I'm not phrasing the question right because it never quite appeases what I'm asking. It never quite. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the paradox is there is no answer besides Jesus. But let me try and ask again and see if it helps. What do you say to someone who says, great, that doesn't help me. I'm going through this and you tell me that Jesus is the answer, right? What does that, even, what does that mean for me? I, I have nothing to hold on to besides the fact that I just am supposed to believe that Jesus is the answer. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. he's a person. It's not a tangible solution. So, for example, if I'm running out of gas, I put more gas in my car, and now my car can move forward, right? The problem is the fact that I'm low on gas or I'm out of it, and the solution is the gas. Whereas... If I'm hurting or suffering, my solution is Jesus. It seems ambiguous to me. So could you help me and others listening decipher that? Yeah. Well, I think we've we've talked about this in the past, but I would love to mention again. I think there is a big difference between methods and principles. Sometimes we mix them up, and that's where the confusion starts. 
if you are suffering, there's a bunch of methods that could help you. Uh, sometimes they are spiritual. Sometimes they're, they're not. Mm. Um, and of course, it will depend of what exactly we're talking about. But I think Pastor Keith mentioned a couple of them on the message, and I think he did a great job. If you're suffering, depend, depending on what it is, make sure you have boundaries r- around you. I think that's a great method. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're suffering because you lost someone, for example, well, make sure you do everything you can uh, to not to to get your mind out of it as 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 much as you can. Be intentional on every time you think about it. Try to change. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's a, lots and lots of methods that will help you to avoid it. Mm-hmm. So if you, if we want to talk about methods, we can we can stay here for the next thirty hours talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I am in a season of suffering, what helps me a lot is listening to, to classical songs. Mm-hmm. So I I get my Mozart, my Mozart playlist, and I'll listen every day because it helps me mm-hmm. in that suffering uh, season. But that's just a method. Mm-hmm. It won't bring any type of solution. Mm-hmm. It won't bring any type of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, the principle... It doesn't resolve the suffering. It doesn't resolve, exactly. I think what resolves the suffering is the principle, not the method. Okay. And the principle is Jesus. It's having a relationship with him. It's opening up yourself to him. And then for someone that would say, that would ask me, so that's, that, that's what you're saying? I would say, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And if you figure out something else, please let me know because I, mm-hmm. I don't know any other way. Yeah, I think, I think the easiest way to put it is we all gonna suffer. You will choose if you're gonna suffer with Jesus or without it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned eighteen uh, year old Vinny. Maybe that was in take one. I don't know if it was in take two. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember. I don't remember. remember. But anyways, we were talking at some point today, and you were just talking about how sure you were about certain things. One of the age-old questions that theologians or people that enjoy actually trying to understand a God who we can't understand, (laughs) at least on this side of heaven, um, one of the age-old questions is, does God cause suffering? Uh, Did God cause suffering or does he allow suffering is there a difference in that let's first talk about 18 year old Vinny. what 18 year old Vinny would have said and then let's say what does 33 year old Vinny say about how suffering comes about is god the cause for it does god allow it or are those two one and the same i don't know Hmm. I think the 18 years old Vinny would know, hmm. but today I don't know. I tend to believe that God doesn't cause suffering. I do truly believe that God allows it. Hmm. Like we can see that in Job for sure. Um, I don't see God. I'm going to start with the 18 years old. Yeah. The 18 years old would tell you, God doesn't cause any type of suffering, but God for sure allows it to happen yeah. based on the narrative we see in Job. The 13 years old Vini would say, God allows the suffering for sure. We see that in Job. 
I don't think God was not creating. What was the word you said? God caused suffering. I don't, it's hard for me to believe that. But mm -hmm. when I think about the whole plan of redeem, redeem us mm -hmm. and the whole plan was putting Jesus on a cross. Mm -hmm. It was God's idea. And uh, he suffered because of that. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was God. It mm -hmm. was, it was God. So today, I tend to believe that God call, God allows suffering. I'm not sure if he um, causes suffering, but I'm pretty sure God suffers hmm. as well. You think God suffers? I think so. Really? I think so. How so? Well, I think the Bible gives us a couple of examples of that. For example, when, God, when the Bible says that God has no pleasure uh, it's hard for me to mention that in English. But God has no pleasure when someone that it's not saved right. die. Right. Um, I think the, 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 the feeling that it's opposite to pleasure for me is suffering. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was not a great day for God when, when the couple tried that food. I don't think God was like, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I do believe God suffers. He suffers when he sees the injustice in this world. He suffers when he sees that sometimes we're not brave enough to accomplish our purpose or not even pray about it or not even realize we have one. I think God suffers when we ignore grace or when we abuse of grace. I think God suffers when we gossip, when we are not generous enough when we ignore things that he he would love us to be paying attention to. Mm. Um, so I definitely think God suffers and God allows suffering about now. If God causes cause suffering, ask me when I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. How, how does God cope with his... Well, well, what about you? Do you think God caused suffering? I don't know, man. Because... It almost it almost seems like causing and allowing are the same thing, or you could look at it as the same thing. If I allow something, and I am I am that I am. If I am the alpha and omega, if I am the beginning and the end, all things come from me. You know, rationally to me, it kind of seems like well, that's a ca cause and effect. Yeah, but yeah, when we look through the lenses of how limited we are for sure. Yeah. Logically. Logically. But it's definitely not the same thing. Right. God can allow me to suffer for something I did and not causing, mm. not having anything with it. Because I did it. Because I did it. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he could stop it. Yeah, yeah. But he chose not to. Now, something that in the past uh, I was so sure, going back to Job, is what he says. God gave me and God took away. Mm -hmm. In the past, I would, and I said that before a couple of times, like Job was crazy when he said that. I don't think God took anything away from him. Meaning, I don't know if God does that. God always give. I don't know if God takes. Uh, the 33 years old, really, we're not sure. Mm. 
this is probably the worst episode of After the Message because everybody will be like, they, they don't know any time of it. <laughs> Dude, that's the great thing about <laughs> well, what we get to do is we don't have to know any. Yep. <laughs> well, if you have the answers, please email us after the message. Yeah, just let us at know. Celebration yeah, <laughs> just let us know because we'll, we'll gladly, gladly take your answer to it. But I was talking to my dad about that the other day. I was finishing up a theology class. And I was just like, Dad, we don't know anything. Oh, yeah. We know nothing. Zero. And it's kind of like the joke of the- theologians. Like, they spend their entire lives studying and researching and hypothesizing and writing about. And we don't know anything. Exactly. And yet, we dedicate our lives to knowing God. Or hope, trying to know God. Yeah amazing a couple of things i know for sure is jesus is the lord yeah there is heaven and in hell yeah i believe that the grace of jesus is everything i need yeah to go to heaven i think i access god through grace by faith mm. and uh i believe religion is the worst thing ever mm. and i believe that the book news will kill him <laughs> Tom Brady's Next coming season. back to win a Super Bowl. That's it. That's all you the need. rest? That's all you need to know. <laughs> Last thing before we uh, head out here. Pastor Keith mentioned the, uh, the account of uh, the blind man and how the disciple, and he was kind of talking about how we always have to have commentary on everything when someone's suffering. And uh, for whatever reason, we just feel like we should, you should do this, you should do that. Um, but when, uh, the disciples and Jesus encounter a man who's blind and they ask him, Lord, who sinned that this man should be born blind? Why did they ask that question? What's, what's the, why was the first thing that came to their mind? The fact that, is there historical precedent for that? Is there something in scripture that says if your family sins, you're born blind? Like just kind of a quick nugget before we head out. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I think it's it's based on a on a law, a, a bad interpretation of the law. Um, we have this verse. I think this is Exodus chapter from twenty to thirty. You okay. will find it. Yeah. Um, when we have um, that verse that says, "I am God; I doesn't change. I visit the iniquity of the, of the Father and the Son for three generations. Yeah, and I am merciful." For a thousand generations. Yeah. So I think it was a common sense to think uh, that you were just, you were an overflow of your dad's sin. Mm. Um, and of course, this is a bad interpretation of, of, the, of, the, of the verse. Yeah. So based on a bad, bad interpretation of the law, they were, they were just trying to figure out an explanation for what that was happening. Yeah. And guess what? Sometimes there is no explanation. Yeah. We have no answers. Um, so I think that's why they were just trying to figure out. And sometimes we all do, we all do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. to figure out, what logically speaking, why it was happening. And, and sometimes we have no answer. I, I think living a life with God is accepting that you won't have all the answers. Mm. 
I, th- I think it's very relig- a very religious thing to believe that once you find God, you found all the answers you were looking for. Mm. No, that's that's not the truth. Actually, that's one of the reasons of of well, not now, but in the past, I was so anguished uh, all the time because. I found God and I was like, okay, so now I, well, I have God, I have the Bible. So at some point I'm going to have answers for everything. Right. Not the case. Not the case. What, what do you actually, I think as much as you, if, if you know God more and more and know the Bible more and more, you're going to have more and more questions. Mm. I think now you just get to a point that you can say, I don't have an answer for this. It's fine. And that's okay. That's okay. It's a common thing that I hear often uh, when when people in our community or people that I talk to are, are going through difficulties, they're suffering, that they blame themselves um, or that they think God is punishing them for something or that they think that they'll often say like, you know, it's just, it's in my DNA. It's, it's hereditary. It's from my family. And sure, there are physiological things that, that get passed down generation to generation, but, but just your, just your difficulty, the, the, the presence of suffering doesn't necessarily mean that, that you caused it, not in each case, right? For sure. How, how would you encourage someone who's right now listening and they are dealing with a season of suffering and they feel like that, that they are the reason for it. What, what would you say to them if, if they're sitting here uh, right now? I, I'll, I'll just take the risk of being repetitive here, but I'm going to say first go to Jesus, go to Jesus. He knows better than anyone what suffering means. He suffered on the cross for us. So he knows what, what is what it means to be sad, anguished, alone, lonely, frustrated. He knows it all. I really like this phrase that says, maybe I share here before, that uh, God sent Jesus to the earth to show us how God is. Mm. And Jesus went back to, to heaven to tell God mm. how it is to be a man. Mm. So he knows it. Yeah. He knows what you're going through. And as long as you have Jesus with you, I'm not saying you're going to have all the answers you need. I'm not saying your suffering goes away immediately. What I'm saying is you have a friend mm. that go through that season It will with you. It will be on your side. That's a principle. Talk with him. Pray. Open up your heart your heart, say the craziest thing that you wouldn't be brave enough to say to your best friend. Say it to Jesus. Only God knows the amount of crazy prayers I've prayed in my entire life. So please do that. I'm sure he appreciated it mm. because, you know, he already knows. Yeah. Open up yourself. Bring Jesus to your suffering. I think that's, that's the, the, the key, the principle. As far as methods, find help. Mm. 
call someone, call a therapist, check if you need to take a couple of pills or whatever, listen to a good song, go read a good book, enroll yourself in a gym, ask someone to forgive you if that's what you need to do. Make sure you put methods in place. As Pastor Keith said, remember yourself, re remind yourself of the goodness of God, put boundaries around you, do whatever you need to do. And I, and I think only you listening to us now, only you knows why you're suffering mm -hmm. and only you knows what are the methods you can put in place to help you out. Yeah. Depending on your type of personality, if you're a melancholic or whatever, you kind of enjoy a little bit that stuff, the, the sadness. Yeah. The sadness. I think it's fine for you, for you to allow yourself to be there for one day, but that's it, you know? Yeah. Don't let it, you, you can be the master, not the servant mm. of this whole, mm. of this whole situation. Wow. Put methods in place that will help you. The methods will never replace Jesus, but with Jesus and the right methods around you, you will understand soon that the winter is going away. The spring is coming, and uh, soon you will be ready to face your next suffering season. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it always amazes me how we can have discussions like this, but I can still walk away encouraged and still walk away faith-filled and believing believe in, in God's best for me and God's goodness. Thanks so much for, for coming on, Vinny. Really appreciate you, man. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Uh, guys, make sure you uh, check out uh, next week as we wrap up our Deconstructed series on After the Message. See you later. Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at celebrationorl.org.